And welcome in to this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker Ryan Green after a uh, one-week hiatus. Back with you, the month of May rapidly coming to an end, as a matter of fact. We're getting into late May now, almost at the first part of June. And uh, preseason magazines have hit the newsstand. We'll get into that. We'll get into a little Emory Jones talk as far as where he ranks among all the SEC quarterbacks. But Denny, I wanted to start because we haven't talked since the University of Florida like many schools, has announced that their stadium, the Swamp, will be uh, at full capacity. That's the plan going into the fall. Great news for college football fans everywhere that it appears they will be able to get back out there and support their teams in person. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised that it was announced in May. Like, I think everybody's hoping you don't have to double back on that, right? Like That was that kind of, what was that, the beginning of the surge last year is or was that the tail end? Yeah, the tail end of that summer surge. Like, I'm hoping that that's all in control. But, yeah, no, it's awesome. It's, um, more and more people getting vaccinated. We're not going to get into that. But I just think it's one of those things where at some point you've got to push the button and go, okay, normal. Yeah. Right? We got it's time to go back. And uh, and I think now's as good of a time as any. We're seeing it, you know, even in our business with just more and more guys and families coming out back out to the group sessions. Um, you know, we train privately, individually, but then we have these big group sessions that we suspended for a while, but we started back in February and it was slow. It was slow. And now, you know, we're, we're back up to, you know, pretty good numbers. So you can just see more people getting comfortable, which is a great thing. Well, yeah, I mean, you see it in sporting events, major league baseball stadiums. Some have already gone back to full capacity. They had 9,000 in the arena last night for the Panthers-Lightning NHL playoff game. You had 15,000 here for the UFC a yeah. couple weeks indoors. ago. Indoors. Indoors yeah. with like five masks and nothing happened. Everything was fine. Everything's good. So it, it appears everything is certainly on the way up, no question about that. But along those lines, the work you do is six points in your quarterback training. You talk with many, many college coaches, and I'm curious – College coaching, the world of the last 12 months, you know, where are they now, May of 2021, as far as getting their teams ready, weight training, all of that, compared to 12 months ago when there was serious question as to whether we were even going to have a college football season? Well, let's let's take this two ways, Hack, because one, like where are they at with weight training and all that kind of stuff? It's interesting. Everybody's on different schedules because everybody – approached last offseason, this offseason, season meaning January, February, March, all that kind of stuff different. Like you take Florida, which is who we talk about, they had a very early spring. So they've been doing spring ball for what? A while. Mm-hmm. You know, two months? Yeah. Something like that. They've already taken their break already back in. So they were back in a week ago this past Monday. So they've been back in for 10 days. Whereas we've got, you know, or Georgia quarterback, Kentucky quarterback, Georgia Tech, all of them are in town now. They're on their break. With you. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, and and that's kind of, you know, I don't think Georgia goes back for another three weeks, something along those lines. Florida opted to take a two-week break, go. Mm. Um, What's their life like? Because you train, I mean, we've talked about it many times. You train Joey Gatewood at Kentucky, Jeff Sims, Georgia Tech, Carson Beck, Georgia. You work with Anthony Richardson at Florida. Where they were 12 months ago with all the uncertainty about their year, to where they are now, I imagine it's night and day for them as well. It is. I, I think one of the things that those guys do a really good job of is really honing in on what they're focused on at the time. So one of the things we did last year during the whole quarantine and even during this time was there ain't a damn thing we can do about any of this. Mm-hmm. So all we can do is prepare. Um, this year it is a little bit closer to normal in the sense of Okay, we know when you're going back. So last year it was like, okay, we kept getting these. Okay, we're gonna, we're going to have everybody come back on Monday, and then Friday they'd get an email. No, we're not going to come back yet. We're going to push it back. Right now it seems like everybody's staying consistent with when they're coming back. Their dates are set, so there's a summer program um, with a routine and a schedule. And I think that's probably the biggest thing, as far as like the college coaches. I mean, their world has completely changed, and. They've gone from, trying to think the best way to put this, from hell to maybe just a tiny little bit lesser version of hell. Like, it's not back to normal. It's a different kind of hell. And here's what I mean is they went from not being able to recruit, um, having to basically play every role in multiple meetings because you had to social distance, you couldn't keep all these people in one room, moving entire weight rooms to large indoor-outdoor facilities, all that kind of stuff this time last year, to them queuing up for what is getting ready to be the craziest summer in any of their careers because they have to make up for the last 18 months of recruiting in 60 days. Oh, yeah. Because June 1st ends the dead period. Right. And so a lot of the coaches have taken you know a week or two off these last couple of weeks and then they won't have not a day off until after signing day, the February signing day of next year. Um, so I, I think, you know, college coaches right now, they're paid well. Some of them, um, 90% or not, but some of them are. They're earning every penny right now. In your experience, and we haven't talked much about it, I guess we will as the season gets closer. Remember, last year didn't count. If you were a senior in 2020, yeah. you can still be a senior in 2021. And we talked about at the time how that was going to affect the 85 scholarship number and all that. How has that affected? And what are you hearing in that regard? It's it, Well, there's some schools that it's a non-issue. There's some schools that what they'll tell you is their seniors or their players um, got their degree because they're not always seniors to get degrees, right? So it's some sophomores that were redshirted, stuff like that, got their degrees and decided to move on. I don't know if I believe that. I think they got their degrees and the coaches were like, look, you can stay if you want to. We don't really want you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, they were encouraged right. to uh, move on. But then there are schools out there with very little movement, and it's killing them roster-wise, recruiting-wise. I talked to a Big East school who – They've got five quarterbacks on scholarship. One of them they like. The other they all look at as like third or fourth guys. None of them's leaving. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're like, well, what do we do? Like, do we tell them? Like, I mean, how do we do this? Um, to the point where they right now can't take a 2022 recruit who they have number one on their board, right? They don't have room. 
So I, I think it's a, it's a fluid situation. It's interesting. I think it's something that the NCAA is going to have to kind of look at and say, all right, do we give expanded rosters for Power 5 schools? Do we let them go to 95, at least for the next couple of years? Um, it'll be – this year and next year are going to be the two big years because here's the thing. Here's what's crazy. I was talking with Jeff Sims about this the other day. Jeff played every game last year. He could play four games this year. He could redshirt and come back next year as a redshirt freshman. Wow. Yeah, Think about that. That is crazy. He could be a redshirt freshman playing his way into the draft. Yeah. Because last year didn't count. Last year literally didn't count. Regardless of who you were, what you did, nothing. And well, that, that's crazy when you think about it. Yeah, that is. And I wonder if people will use that to their advantage in certain situations. Yeah, I don't know how you can because the guys you really want to use that to your advantage on are guys that are probably gone in three or four anyway. Right, that's true, yeah. The guys that want to use it to their advantage are the, are the, the smart ones that want to get a master's degree on somebody else's dime, which is what we're telling all of our guys to do at this point. But those aren't necessarily the guys the coaches want to be there for six years. You know, but I mean, even Anthony Richardson to keep the Florida tone, he could play four games, come back as a freshman. Let me ask you this. Um, and again, I want to get into Emory in a moment. Want to get into the preseason magazines in a moment as well. Last year, uh, there were some instances, particularly early in the year, where there was bad football being played. Tackling was bad. Really, the defense has never recovered all year. I mean, you had many games that were 55, 48 all throughout the country. Was that a product of how crazy the last offseason was? And will we see a better product on the field, particularly defensively, now that we're somewhat getting back to a normal offseason? Yeah, I think that's as much a product of where we're at with football. With um, So you don't think the COVID craziness? It probably played a little bit into it. Like the, I'm still baffled by the fact that Florida couldn't line up. Like well, that, yeah, that's, right. that's a whole different conversation. But I think the tackling is more a product of they don't tackle that much in practice, right? This it's not something that they do. I also think the rules, like what you can and can't do as a defense pre-snap, leads to open space, which is hard to tackle. What was the game? What was it? BYU Navy, where we had the first game of the year yeah. last year, where Navy literally had like three practices. Now that now that that's a different, they the yeah, because they couldn't practice at all, right? Right. So, I mean, a lot of teams, if you talk to a lot of coaches, they liked a couple of the things they were able to do last year, like extended time with the freshmen through Zoom or walkthroughs or something like that. They actually liked, other than the fact that it tripled their workload, being able to bring in their position groups at different times and give more attention to the younger guys and what they're wanting to install and what they're wanting to do. So I think you'll start to see some of that. But I really just think it's where football's headed. I think, I mean – you go to JAG practices. Think about the JAG practices of 10 years ago and now. Yeah. It's completely different. Night and day. It's completely Much louder music now. Much louder music. Like, it's they're over quicker. Yeah. Right? And it's – you never hear pads popping. Although, ever. We'll, we'll see with Urban. Uh, I mean, that was maybe – maybe we'll see what Urban can do. But I, I get your point. It's yeah. vastly different, vastly easier. I mean, I do a show with Leon Searcy every day. Uh, it was yeah. in the Coughlin training camps yep. in the late 90s. When he goes out there today, he just chuckles to himself no, at funny. the difference. Leon would have played another five years. Yeah. Yeah, easily. No question. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for the highest quality care. 
you can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com, and you can listen for Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good Dr. Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in sports. Emory Jones, when you talk about the quarterbacks in the Southeastern Conference, JT Daniels at Georgia, Matt Corral at Ole Miss, uh, Bo Nix at Auburn, anybody else you want to throw in there? Where Denny, and again, you've, you've worked with Emory in the past, you work a lot with Anthony Richardson, but you've certainly worked with Emory as well. How would you assess what the Gators have at quarterback with Emory compared to the other 13 schools in the SEC? Um, I think they're in good shape. I think they are, without knowing, like there are some positions that you don't know who's going to start, without knowing everything about everybody, I think they're definitely, Emory's definitely a top five starter. I mean, JT, obviously. You like him, JT Daniels? Yeah. I'm interested to see now that the SEC kind of has the book out on him. I thought at the end of the last year he didn't look as good as he did when he first came in. But talent is absolutely there. Um, I, I think that Emory's better than Bo Nix. Uh, I don't think that's even really a conversation. Um, what about Corral? Former Gator commitment. Put up some really good numbers last year. Now, it's that Lane Kiffin crazy offense. They lose Elijah Moore. They lose their big-time tight end. They got guys to replace. But clearly, Matt Corral looking at it, looks to be one of the best guys in the conference. Matt Corral, if he has the right kind of year, you'll see as like a top 15 draft pick. Like, arm talent is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. There's That's the thing about the SEC. Like, does he take the next step, which he took a pretty big step already? Um, is, he, is he able to kind of fine-tune his game a little bit? Bryce Young at Alabama. Like, what is, what is Bryce Young? Do we know what Embry is more than we know what Bryce is? Maybe a little bit, but they're both kind of that same question mark. We've heard about Bryce Young for a couple of years now. He's How good. would you he's describe good. his game? He's uh he's electric, man. He's, he's quick, shifty, Kyler Murray-ish type guy. Um, I'm not saying that he's gonna win, you know, a Heisman to be the first overall pick, but he could. Mm-hmm. He's he's that good. Um and I'm I'm trying to go through here and just kind of remind myself, like, what's LSU gonna do? Is it Miles Brennan? Yeah. So Who's Max back? Johnson, Miles Brennan's been there forever. It seems. I, like. I, yeah, I thought Max Johnson came in and played really well last year. Um, so A and M's got to replace. That's the thing. A Haynes lot of guys King's are a good gone. player, by the way. A- Haynes King at A and M. At A and M, he's he's a really good player. There's a couple of guys that I think when they get settled in are going to be good. I'm <laughs> people aren't going to want to listen to this, but. I'm huge on Joey Gatewood this year. I think that the and, I, and it's one of my guys, so I'm always going to stick up for him. But he had an amazing spring. I um, feel like he separated himself from competition there. They do have a transfer coming in from Penn State, um, but I think the beatings he took at Georgia and Alabama last year helped him mm-hmm. a ton. Um, it kind of let us know, okay, here's what we really need to be working on. And he's had a phenomenal offseason. He and Carson Beck are training together um, every single day with us right now. As far as Emory Jones goes, um, and again, you've worked with him in the past. You know him. Give and you're a quarterback coach. You're a quarterback, you know, guy. It's what you do. You train quarterbacks. Give Gator fans listening, Gator fans watching. Um, one thing you really like about Emory coming into 2021, 
and one thing that you believe he needs to work on coming into 2021. Yeah, let me flip those because the the only thing that Emory really, besides getting experience and plays, he's inconsistent mechanically. Like he's... Give me the third grade verbiage on that. That's it. Like one day it looks this way and the next day it looks this way. And it's just kind of like, where did that come from? Did you sleep wrong? Did like, what, what's going on? A lot of times um, that kind of works itself out, but that's the, there's other guys like that that have been very good. Trevor Lawrence, like that just all of a sudden something pops up and they're able to correct it and all that kind of stuff. But um, that would be my one thing with him is, is being able to get the feel and being able to kind of self-diagnose um, he's been up in Atlanta this offseason with Quincy Avery, and we've talked several times. Like that's that's something they're working on. And there's you know if I if I really got into the weeds on this, um, people teach us at a young age how to throw a football, and it's way wrong. Like that whole stand way high in the pockets, BS. Like doesn't even make any sense when you sit down. It's so it takes kids a while to actually learn the right way, right? To get all that out of their head. Um, the what I love about Emory, though, he's so twitchy. Like, he's twitchy and he's whippy and all the things that you really can't teach. Um, and it, the the funny thing is, he doesn't look big, but he is. Mm-hmm. He's a good-sized guy, and he's putting weight on, um, and he looks looks apart. And if you think about his time that he's been in, he always, always, always runs between the tackles and falls forward. Doesn't matter who hits him. Like, all things, all traits that really aren't teachable, people just have it. And so I think, you know, mechanically, and, and you still want to see what they're going to do scheme-wise. Are they going to go with what they were doing with Trask? Are they going more what Mullen did in the past with, like, Dak before he became an elite thrower? You know, I think they're going to be kind of in the middle there. But I, I think his his ceiling is as high as, you know, I would say 10-win, leader of a 10-win season that makes some really exciting plays and runs the offense to, you know, a seven or eight win season because of some turnovers. But I don't think they let it get to that because I think Anthony's ready to go too. Yeah, and and again, Emory might look small when he's standing next to Anthony Richardson. Yeah, Anthony's massive. Who's just a massive, massive, what is he, 6'5", 6'6"? Six, yeah, 6'5", six? Six, probably two, I'm going to guess 230 right six, now. 6'5", 230. Yeah. And, and you, you expect Anthony Richardson – not necessarily to start, but he will see some playing time. I think so. I think so. Anthony Anthony's having a really good summer. Anthony's focused more. The last two summers, we focused a lot on his mechanics and throwing the ball. This summer, he's focused a lot more on just performance-based stuff, spe- uh, speed, strength, stuff like that, which he needed to. Um, that was kind of the decision that we made. Um, but, yeah, no, he's a special, special athlete. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists, their Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations. That's in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine, and that includes Riverside, Northside, the South Side, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. As we wrap up this edition of Gator Bites, preseason magazines are out. Not all of them, but some of them. And like we suspected, uh, Georgia appears to be the pick by almost all of them in the East. And I think that's, you know, for a few reasons. Number one, they're returning JT Daniels, who obviously caught fire at the end of last year. And number two, just look at the schedule. Look at the Georgia Bulldogs schedule in the conference compared to the Gator schedule. Florida has Alabama and LSU. Georgia does not. And by that and that alone, I think many people 
are going to almost across the board pick Georgia to win the SEC East. If they had the same schedule, they still should pick Georgia. But you're right. That 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 plays in. Georgia's home schedule is abysmal. Season ticket holders at Georgia are getting the shaft this year. Like yeah. it's terrible. Uh they do play Clemson, you know, the first game. In Charlotte, right? In Charlotte, yep. Um, but look, it is what it is. We talk about I feel like we talk about this at the beginning of every year. Where the programs are right now, Georgia's about a year ahead, two years ahead um, in recruiting and depth and things like that. It doesn't mean Florida can't beat them, as they showed last year. Florida took them to the woodshed last year. Um, it just is when you put together the entire roster, there's less questions at Georgia than there is at Florida right now. It, I think it's that simple. Um, I wouldn't bet on them to win the East, but I would pick them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, my question about Georgia is, look, I think their offense is going to be pretty good. Now, losing George Pickens yeah. is a big deal. Um, we'll see about Zamir White, how he does at the, at the tailback position. They have some some questions on Kendall on Milton on uh, Their tailback, Kendall Milton, who a lot of people don't know about yet. Beast. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Georgia lost about everything you could lose in the secondary. Yep. They lost, like, their top four corners, like their top three safeties. I know they've had a couple of transfers. But uh, I'm going to be very curious, particularly that game against Clemson, which we now have a kickoff time for. That's the Saturday night primetime game on ABC opening weekend, Labor Day weekend. ESPN announced that earlier this week. I'm going to be very curious when DJU and Clemson go out there because that Georgia secondary is very, very young. Yeah, no, it is. Now, the one thing, it's kind of like if Florida's offense – isn't as high-powered as their defense. We get comfort because we know Mullen's an offensive guy. Kirby's a defensive yeah. guy, specifically defensive backs. Um, so if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm not overly worried about it, but you're right. I mean, they lost an embarrassing amount of talent. Well, two of their DBs are here in Jacksonville, and DJ Daniel and Tyson Campbell. The crazy thing is their third-best defensive back went early in the second round. Yeah. Like I mean, when you think about that, Richard LeCount, if he wouldn't have had the accident – um, and then Stokes, who I who I think is going to be a star, um, really good DBs. So I, I, I yeah, you're right. There, there's some questions there, but I think Kirby answers a lot of those questions. Their defensive staff is really good. They did lose a, a defensive backs coach, uh, Charlton Warren, who's a who's a really good coach, really good recruiter too. But uh, but I would expect them to be ready to go by the time they get in the SEC. Uh, we talked about this on XL Primetime earlier this week. All right, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, probably Tennessee. Take them to the side. All first-year head coaches probably won't be much of a factor. If you're Georgia and if you're Florida, who do you have more trepidation playing, Missouri or Kentucky? Out of Missouri or Kentucky, who gives the big two more problems? Man, I think this weighs so heavily on what is Joey Gatewood. Because if Joey is what I think he is, then it's absolutely Kentucky. Because – he, he, he's got a 70, 75-yard arm, and he's a 4 4 40 guy. And he's 225 pounds as of yesterday. So, I mean, that's that's tough, mm-hmm. right? Where he where he struggled last year was a little bit of, like, some read issues and holding on to the ball too long. If he picks that up, like, Kentucky's a tough out. If he doesn't, if he has the same, you know, processing issues that he had last year, they've got a new O coordinator at Kentucky, too, which helps a ton. Um, then Missouri's miles ahead of Kentucky. I think with what Kentucky's wanting to do now, 
It's not the old regime. It's not run, run, run. They're wanting to spread it out. They're wanting to see what they what do they have. They've got Joey and Bo Allen, two high recruits. What do we have here? If they get to clicking, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough out. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But again, if you missed it yesterday, uh, opening weekend in the world of college football, three thirty September fourth, Miami, Alabama. 7.30, September 4th, Clemson, Georgia. How about that for a doubleheader? Yep. Florida State, Notre Dame, Sunday night, September 5th, ABC, 7.30. And then Labor Day night, Ole Miss and Louisville, Ugh. which is Monday night, September the 6th. We couldn't get a better Labor Day game than... Uh, you get to see the lane train, right, and corral. Who cares about the lane train? Uh, well, they're going to score some points. Is that still a thing? Uh, I saw a couple T-shirts out there. A vacation in the Panhandle in the state of Alabama. Lane Train's got some fans out in the Panhandle, Man. so I actually did see some Lane Train shirts on some uh, some uh, appliance store deals. Scott Frost 2.0. Oh, you're not you're not a Lane Kiffin guy, huh? No. That'll be on next week's edition. Looking forward <laughs> to that. That is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. Thank you for watching and listening to Gator Bites. We'll be back next week right here on 1010XL.com and on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page.